Hey friends, this is Micah. This is Mercedes. And this is Heather. And you're listening to <laughs> the Lucky Few Podcast, Episode 6, Friendship Part 2. Part 2, we couldn't get enough, you guys. Here we are again. Um, can we talk about how amazing part one was, though? Because it was pretty epic. Yeah, Beautiful. it was really good. It was really good. What did you guys uh, love the most? I mean, Bill. No offense yeah. to everyone else. But <laughs> no. <this> is- <laughs> he steals the show. Um, but Mayor Bill. Love him. <laughs> I love him. Bill. It was great. I love him and have his relationship. Um, I, I liked all of it. Is that allowed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's allowed. I really loved Bill's. Um, I I loved hearing about how much he is serving other people. I love hearing about how he is greeting at church, how he's helping with the youth group. Um, it was just really cool. I I just to see what he he's doing with his life to to give back to others. Mm. Definitely, and then sweet Lindsay, who is just like, oh hey, I'm gonna start all the nonprofits to help all the people. <laughs> She's amazing. And I'm in my young She's 20s. She's like a 16 year old doing research. Yes. <laughs> She's amazing. Well, Micah's writing grant. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> to but get that We can talk more tower. about the clock tower. Or the clock More about tower. that clock tower, y'all. <laughs> Episode eight, clock tower grant writing. <laughs> Everyone tune in. It's exciting time. I want to bring it in. We're going to have a chance to talk a little bit more later, ladies. But I got to do a one-on-one interview with one of my dearest lifelong friends, Malin Henry. And I was so thankful that she sat down with me. We spent a big chunk of time just reminiscing about our childhood, but mostly talking about our friend Carrie Reeves and what her life meant to us. And especially talking about Malin's friendship with Carrie and how in the role that Carrie played in Malin's life and um, the role that Malin played in her life. And they have a really beautiful story. So we're going to jump right into that and we'll be back here after. All right, welcome back to the Lucky Few Podcast. This is Micah, and I am just here on my own with one of my dearest lifelong friends, my friend, Malin Henry. Malin, say hi. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Malin is, uh, she lives in Lubbock, Texas. She is a new mom of seven-month-old Poppy, who is just like the the sweetest little munchkin. And she is a, okay, I'm going to try and get this right, Malin, a literacy coach, right? In that, the public school right. system. That's a right. A literacy He's coach. Said. Okay, He's cool. Right. So Lubbock is, a, like for all of you out there who don't know your Texas geography, Lubbock is about two hours south of Amarillo, 
where not, it's not even two hours, maybe hour and a half these days, huh? Hour uh, and 40 minutes. Yeah, she's, Melinda knows. I have it down. <laughs> and Amarillo is um, mine and Melinda's beloved hometown. We have strong, wonderful feelings for Amarillo. That's right. If any of you have ever driven through, let us know. It's on, it's on I-40, and probably you saw tumbleweeds and dust. Yes, yes. And no, we didn't own horses growing up. We did not. Um, but we did grow up together, and that's what Melinda and I are going to talk about. We lived about, well, I wouldn't say a block from each other. No. We lived some houses apart. Yes. Se- several houses yes. down. Some houses and a busy street. Yes, true. Apart. Yes. And, um, and Malin and I met each other in kindergarten, I think, right? Yes, yes. But we yes. didn't know. You always lived in that same house, right? I did. I moved there when I was two. Okay. Yes, But yes. somehow we missed each other until, yeah. I mean, I think I, it, was, it was the busy street. Probably so. And we yeah. and our parents weren't sending us out roaming as three-year-olds. It no. was the 80s, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think we, they were. <laughs> we, we, did not, we did not cross the busy street until we were five. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So my favorite um, memory with Malin, and we, had, we played a lot of fun things. But we did. My favorite was when we played restaurant in my kitchen on our roller skates. Oh. That was the best. We were amazing on roller skates, Malin. And well, let's just give a shout out to your mom for letting us roller skate <laughs> in the kitchen. We we should thank there you, was Jody. Carpet in the kitchen at my house, and we could <laughs> roller skate there. Back when people had carpet in their kitchens, and there was carpet in my bathroom at oh. our house. So wow. what there was, you know, who knows? But there was yellow linoleum in my kitchen, yeah. and it was perfect for roller skating. Perfect. Yeah, and so Melinda... We definitely recommend you try this at home. (laughs) Yes, yes. In fact, Melinda and I are both going to serve dinner to our families tonight on roller skates. Yes, right after we go by. Yes. Yes, sounds good. Um, So what Melinda and I are here to talk about is our friend Carrie, who we grew up with, and um, we we miss very much Carrie. Carrie passed away... Is it five years ago, Mullen? Yeah, four and a half. Four and a mm-hmm. half years ago. And when we started talking about... No, no, five, five and a half. Yeah, it, five and a half. Oh, it's five and a half. Because it was, yeah. right, it was December. December of 2012. That's okay. right. Yeah. Um, when, we, when Heather and Mercedes and I started talking about this possibility of a podcast about friendship, especially friendship between people with Down syndrome and and you know, typical people, typically developing people. Um, the first person I thought of was Malin because she has inspired me so much in her just, in getting to, I got to watch her relationship with Carrie from early childhood all the way into our adulthood. And um, I, I have, I love and loved their relationship. And I also, um, I've told Malin this, that, that I have prayed for Ace to have a friend, to have a Malin in his life, a sincere, authentic friend mm-hmm. who um, loves him for who he is. And um, so that's what I want Malin and I to talk about, just her story of knowing and loving Carrie. And um, 
you know, let's see if we can get through this, Malin, without, <laughs> like, you know. Without a whole box of tissues. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I didn't meet Carrie until kindergarten either. Carrie was on the other side of the busy street for me, too. So she was closer to Malin on her side of the street. Um, Malin, when did you meet Carrie? I think I met Carrie when I was about three or four and she lived two doors down from me and it was just natural kids outside playing. There she was. Mm -hmm. And, and can you tell me, like you said you it was natural. Do you feel like, um, there was a moment at when you were little that you had a realization that Carrie was different from you? I, I know there was that moment, um, or I know there was a transition, but I don't remember exactly when it was mm -hmm. because Carrie and I just always played together. She was at my house. I was at her house. Um, we just always were spending time together and I'm, there are lots of things I remember her being different. I remember we were in the same class at school and she would get pulled out mm -hmm. some of the time. Um, I remember us growing up and things being different, but I don't remember that exact moment when I had a conversation with my mom or her mom about her being different. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, I met Carrie um, in kindergarten and I always thought of Carrie as kind of a package deal with Malin. Like Carrie and Malin were a little a little twosome together. And so, and, but I, I also don't really have a memory of that, Malin. If I, yeah, if anybody talked to us about Down syndrome, if, um, you know, or, or what exactly made her different. Um, but I, go ahead. There's something I was just thinking that might be a good preface for this is Carrie's parents from the very beginning, it was important to them that Carrie was in a class with kids who did not have disabilities, mm -hmm. um, just in a regular class. Exactly what probably you were wanting, exactly yeah. what you're wanting yeah, for Yeah, when we talk now. about inclusion, yeah. But this is what Carrie's family wanted, and that was in 1983. 80. They yeah. started her... Wow. Um, in early childhood in 83, I believe. So that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was important to them. Kind of unheard um, so, of at that time, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so for all the rest of us, um, she was just in our class and she yeah. was one of us. So we never gave it a second thought. Right. And I think for me, like coming into this role as Ace's mom and people talking about inclusion, um, and the fact that, and the fact that even like right now I'm having to, I prepare for his IEP and fight for him to not be just put into a special day class. I think like, I, it's just amazing to me that at that point in 1983 and then 85, when we were in kindergarten, like this was, this was the vision that Carrie's parents had that, exactly. that they, um, made it happen. Mm-hmm. And that we got to experience, you know, I read this research about like not just the benefits for kids with Down syndrome who are in, in, in typical classrooms, but also for, for 
those of us who don't have differences who are in those classrooms like you exactly. look at how it's it developed you and me Malin to just live life with Carrie to be in brownies with her and play <laughs> softball and volleyball with her mm-hmm. and um she was just part of our lives oh yeah we had no question about oh this is our friend Carrie we had our friend yeah. Micah we had our friend Berkeley <laughs> and we had our friend Carrie <laughs> yep that was that it's really true yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about Carrie, how you would describe her personality, your favorite things about her. So um, some kids and, and adults with Down syndrome are just known to be loving and very sweet and give hugs. And Carrie definitely had that side, but um, she could be actually grumpy. Yes. And um, she just was, she had a certain way that she liked things and the way she did things. And if you weren't a part of that, she let mm-hmm. you know. Yes, she did. Um, I always say, I'm going to write a book called everything I need to know. I learned from Carrie Reeves and, <laughs> and I did. I mean, she taught me everything I need to know about life. And the number one thing I learned about Carrie is you should eat a Hershey bar every day. <laughs> so it's good. There you go. <laughs> um, Carrie loved, um, watching the weather. She loved high school musicals. She loved dirty dancing (laughs) and she loved, um, uh, spaghetti out of a can or spaghetti, uh, frozen spaghetti. That's awesome. And do you remember, um, do you remember her eating her cereal with water? Oh, Am I ma- every day. Okay. No, I, okay. I loved hearing that on, uh, was it either episode zero? It was episode zero. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Oh, definitely. She, she ate her cereal with water. The only non-water drink she had was orange juice in the morning. Everything okay. else was water. Okay. And she went through the Barbie rocker phase was pretty strong, right? Yes. Yeah. That was, but that was like late elementary school, middle school. Yes. She had that t-shirt she wore every day with the bright neon pink shorts. Yes. And then after that, it was the complete tie-dye outfit, oh. tie-dye shirt and tie-dye <laughs> shorts that went together. Okay. Um, so she had that and she, she loved dolls. She loved Barbies, anything girly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and she also said everybody's name first and last name. Oh, exactly. Melinda Melinda Freeman. Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> I could, well, yeah. 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 It, she called everybody by first and last name. It's so yep. good. That was her trademark. And if she didn't, I mean, and Melinda's right about like, if Carrie didn't want to talk to you, she, she was, she probably came up with the talk to the hand idea. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Michael Boyette, go away. Go away. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, that's just, that's just how she was. And you always knew exactly where you stood with Carrie. Yep. It's true. Yeah. It's and true. she had the best smile and, and the best frown. Yes. Yeah. She could make that frown better than anyone. <laughs> what is, I, okay, so I have a favorite memory of, I have a couple of favorite memories, but one that we always talk about at, our, at my parents' house is the time when she wanted to play with my hair at Mandy Tinsley's house at Brownie's. And I let her. And I didn't really know what she was doing. I think it was like 20 or 30 minutes. I don't know what we were doing at Brownies that day. Obviously not much. Oh, dear, Martha. I had just tiny knots, tiny knots all over my hair that my mom had to 
work on for a really long time. Oh my, I, I never knew that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. What, that's what, funny. What's your favorite memory of Carrie? Uh, Carrie as a child or Carrie as mm, an adult? Tell me one of Carrie as a child and then tell me Carrie as an adult. Okay. Uh, my general favorite memories of Carrie as a child are us playing uh, dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, we did lots and lots of dress up. We had dresses. We had wigs. We had a wedding uh, at her parents' house that multiple people were involved in. Um, Who did you marry? um, I don't think there was a groom. I think we had (laughs) the bride, the bridesmaid, the mother of the bride, and the grandmother of the bride. And I got to be the grandmother. Okay. Uh, Okay. So just lots of memories of just um, play, imaginative play with Mm -hmm. Carrie growing up. Those are, there's lots of those. Um, A specific memory of her as an adult is... Um, which we'll talk more about this in a minute is when we lived together and she was in charge of cooking dinner on Wednesday nights. And when I came home on a Wednesday night, she told me we were having bean burritos and um, I knew what was in the house and there was not the ingredients for bean burritos. (laughs) So I sat down at dinner and we were having um, corn tortillas filled with pork and beans. (laughs) And it was at that moment I thought, if this was a gifted and talented class, she would score 100% because that is bean burritos. She <laughs> that's right. It totally is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, I love that she was in charge of dinner on one night oh, a week. Yes, that's, I loved it too. <laughs> you, you were very, I mean, I, we're kind of skipping ahead, but um, you were really intentional when the two of you lived together. Um, yeah, sometimes it was called Camp Milan, but it was a great, we lived together for almost four years and, um, that's where I learned everything I needed to know in life Mm. was from Carrie. I don't know if you want to start talking about that now, or if you want to go back, let's go back a little bit and we'll come back to that. Um, I, we recorded the first part of our episode already. And I was telling Heather and Mercedes that I've been thinking a lot about just the kind of friend I was to Carrie. And I think that it's complicated. And I think for most, for probably for most kids who become friends with someone with um, intellectual differences, it's complicated. Um, I think when I was a kid, my love for Carrie was natural. And then as I got older and I began to see that grownups were like impressed with me, for being her friend, I think that I began to be a lot more aware of that. And um, that sometimes I, I don't know, I don't know what my motives were with my friendship with her. I think it was um, a mixture sometimes of being seen as being a good girl for being her friend and, and then also having a real love for her. Um, But I think that that is something that I, that as I think back to it, I feel regret and I feel sadness that any of that could have been complicated um, in that way. And I know that I was a kid and I was learning um, how to be in the world and what it means to be a real friend. But I think I I worry about that for Ace, that um, like I want to believe his friendships that will form with um, with neurotypical kids 
is going to be real and authentic. Mm. Yeah, and, and I don't want people to be friends with him be, out of pity or out mm-hmm. of, um, you know, gaining approval from somebody else. Um, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't, our friendship, I'll speak for both of us was not ever to carry out of pity. Right. Um, I do think I, I don't have memories of adults ever saying anything specifically to me about my friendship to Carrie, especially growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that things were said to my mom and she might've conveyed them to me. Some of that to me I, as a kid, just trying to remember looking back was just reassurance that it was okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and kind of reassurance of, Oh yeah, Carrie's different and that's okay. She needs a friend and, and I'm going to keep being that friend. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of other memories of adults talking to me about Carrie. We spent so much time together, especially through fifth grade, middle Mm -hmm. school. We didn't see each other as much, but she was as close as I'll ever have to a sister. Mm -hmm. And so I just never knew any different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is the, that's the hope, right? I mean, mm. I think about yeah. the kids who are in Ace's life, you know, his friends at church and the, the, our, our closest friends here in San Francisco who know him and love him and understand that, you know, even, even like with three-year-olds, they will say things to me, these, his other little three-year-old friends, like mm. Ace's Ace is littler than me and I'm a big girl or Ace is, mm-hmm. Ace is, um, he can't do that yet or some, you know, Ace doesn't talk. And, I have an awareness. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, I think that as those things come up, of course, I'm really straightforward and I'll say you're, yeah, you know, he's, he's still three like you. He's, he just seems littler because of this and this or yeah he's not talking much yet but he's going to talk soon and mm-hmm. but but yeah I think I have a a fear of putting too high of expectations on the kids these kids that I know mm-hmm. and love who I'm close mm-hmm. to their parents and I have fears of like oh you know I don't want to be really sad if they choose not mm-hmm. to be his friend and mm-hmm. um, so I I I do think that that's the dream is that, um, like that a friend would say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to choose to be Ace's friend. He's my friend. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, he's different and, and that's okay. And that's why I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what did your friendship look like as you got older? As you said, it, it changed a little bit in middle school and high school. Yeah. So, um, in middle school, Carrie definitely was in different classes, um, as we all were. We all had different schedules in middle school, changing classes. And so I didn't see Carrie as much. Whereas in elementary school, we were often in the same class or we were right next door to each other and would see each other at lunch or recess. But middle school, there wasn't as much of that. And mm-hmm. then we also were in different carpools because I believe you and Carrie rode to school yes. in middle school, right? Yeah, we did. And, we did. and I rode, I rode with Berkeley. 
Okay. So um, we didn't see each other as much. And then in high school, we went to the same high school our freshman year. And then in the afternoons, she took the bus um, over to a different high school for a Oh, maybe it was a life skills class. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure, but we would eat lunch together every day our freshman year. And then I would help her get on the bus. Um, I didn't know that, Melin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, I have a lot of memories with her that freshman year in high school. And then, um, sophomore year, she moved and started going um, to Amarillo high, a different mm-hmm. high school full time. Um, so then I didn't see her regularly. It was more um, special occasions, yeah. or once I got my driver's license, I would pick her up after, you know, maybe in the evening and go do something occasionally, um, but we weren't seeing each other as regularly, so it definitely was more of an effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, when when you went on to college, what was that like for, because you, you went far away for college, and yeah. Carrie stayed in Emerald. That's right. That's right. So and she was still in a high school program for a little so bit. So Carrie, after yes, graduated. Carrie was in the high school program in Texas. Um, and I don't know if this is all across the country, but in Texas, you can um, enter school the when you're 21 and then finish when you're 22. So um, she did graduate at 22 and I was already in college. If I remember coming back for her graduation and it was a big party and a big celebration and just watching her on the floor with those other 375 graduates mm. and how excited she was. Um, and she also did things like prom. She had a little high school boyfriend named Tate and they went to prom together and she got to experience all of those high school things that you and I experienced. She went yeah. to homecoming, but then, um, her sister was older than me and Carrie had seen her sister go off to college and come back. And I went off to college and her sister got married and Carrie had seen both of us go away and move out. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being in college and Carrie calling me and saying things like, Oh, I'm going to get an apartment. Or um, one time she called me and said, Malin, are you sitting down? Because <laughs> I'm going to marry Tate. <laughs> and that was her um, high school boyfriend. And Carrie had seen her sister get married. Yeah. And so she, she that was, in her mind, the next thing for her. And so my senior year in college, right at the beginning of my senior year, um, I just really started thinking a lot about, Carrie and she would call me and tell me she was going to move out and get an apartment. And I knew that she couldn't do that on her own, but that my whole first semester, my senior year, I prayed and prayed about the possibility of us living together, mm-hmm. knowing that our friendship had been a gift from the Lord from the beginning, nothing I could have fabricated, nothing our families could have planted. It just was, mm-hmm. um, a blessing from the Lord. And so, um, when I came home at Christmas, my senior year in college, I visited with her parents about the possibility of Carrie living with me in the starting that following summer. And we had a long conversation and I can't remember if they told me that day or a couple days later, but they said, we think that would be a fine idea. Um, why don't you talk to Carrie? And so I went and got Carrie and took her. I don't remember what we did, but I had a conversation with her and said, Hey, 
you know, I'm going to be coming back home to graduate. And this might have been later in the spring. But anyway, I said, do you want to live with me when I move back to Amarillo? And I thought she would just jump on it and say, yeah, yeah I can live by myself. And she said, um, who's going to be the big sister and who's going to be the little sister? <laughs> and I said, well, neither. We're going to be two friends living together. And she said, well, what about mother and dad? Mother and Sam, Sam Reeves. She did not call her dad. <laughs> she called him by his full name. Um, and I said, well, they'll still be at their home and you'll be living with me. And she said, well, I need to think about it. And I was shocked, but I said, okay, that's great. So, um, time went on and it might've been the early summer. Anyway, a few days later, I'm driving past her house and she comes flying out the front door and flags me down. And I roll down the window and she says to me, Malin, I woke up today and said, it's Thursday. I'm going to live with Malin. <laughs> and that's how she made the decision. And so I said, okay, that sounds great, Carrie. I'll, I, we'll, we'll get right on that. <laughs> I should start making more decisions based on the fact that it's Thursday. Uh, so that Thursday, might really help me. I think it does. Thursday is the day to make decisions, Micah. <laughs> and I mean, that just did it. And so yeah. um, her sister and brother-in-law were moving out of their place. It was a perfect setup for Carrie and me. And we moved in on the 4th of July wow. um, together and had our own place. The girls on Austin street, the girls on Austin street. That's right. <laughs> send it every year on our Christmas card. Yes. The Austin street girls. Yes, yep. that's what it was. The Austin street girls. Uh, and did you, do you feel like that idea for her to live with you just kind of came out of, like it was just there in your mind. Did anything in your no. life cause you to think about that? Before? No, it was just the fact that she had um, seen us move out. Mm -hmm. She had talked about moving out and um, I was moving back to Amarillo, a single girl on my own. And why not? Why yeah. not have a roommate? And yeah. might as well. Um, and something that I think is important to make clear is that I didn't feel called to live with anyone with special needs or just anyone with Down syndrome. It was the fact that it was Carrie. Yeah. And I've known her and she was like a sister. And, um, having us live together was seemed like a great fit. And so you had, you know, your days together where she would go to her job and, and you would go to yours. You were teaching mm -hmm. and Carrie, I remember was working at least for a while at Amarillo college. She was, she was doing kind of administrative, like Carrie shredded documents, for Amarillo college, for um, at least 10 years, wow. maybe longer. Okay. Um, she worked there nine hours a week, so three mornings from 9 to 12, okay. um, and would do all their shredding in the financial aid department. And it was a great setup. She had her boom box in there. She had her name on the door. Cool. And it was in with all these other filing cabinets, but they would just pile her stuff on the table and she felt so accomplished That's that awesome. she could go in and, and shred all those papers. And the first few days she thought she was being evaluated by the number of bags that she had. So she was only filling the bags half full and then tying them up and putting them in the hall. And finally they told her, Oh, it doesn't, you're not, it doesn't matter how many bags you shred. It matters that you get these piles done. So then she started filling the bags all the way full. And, uh, 
shredding more. And she was great at it. It was the perfect job for Kitty. Yeah. I, I did not really. She went, she did it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. At That's, least. Yeah. Wow. It was a long time. Wow. And, mm-hmm. um, what were you, what were your days like with her in, in the house y'all lived in? She made yeah. dinner on Wednesdays. Yeah. So, um, sometimes I would see her in the morning and sometimes I wouldn't, but she had her routine and I had mine. She had her part of the house. I had mine, but, um, she loved to do things like unload the dishwasher and fold laundry, all those tedious jobs that mm-hmm. I really didn't like, but she was so accomplished. Uh, she felt like such a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Um, so she would carry on about her day and, um, fix her own lunch. And she had a snack regimen that, you know, I tried to get her to eat healthy snacks and to eat two snacks a day. And after about three weeks of that, she finally told me, Melin, I ate three snacks at the old home and I'm going to eat three, three snacks at the new home. <laughs> you can't stop me. And I thought, okay, well, there you go, Carrie. See, everything I need to know in life I learned from Carrie. Eat three snacks a day and make sure one Good. of them is a Hershey bar. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and then in the evenings, um, we were together almost, you know, most evenings unless I had a meeting, but she would watch the news. I would cook dinner and often she would say things like your meatloaf doesn't taste like my mom's, (laughs) (laughs) um, or what are we having for dessert? You know, she had expectations and Wednesday nights she was in charge of dinner. Um, we cleared the table together, just live life. Um, we met on the couch every night about 10 or 10 30 to pray. Mm. And, um, in prayer time is where I always learned what happened in Carrie's day. Mm. She may not have been able to articulate at the dinner table, the ins and outs of what happened during her day, but during prayer is where I always learned, um, what had happened. And I just thought that was so great that, um, how it should be. The Lord is safe and she felt Mm. safe expressing things. Um, and then she would go to her room and, um, she had, you know, she would talk in her room and kind of play out things that have happened during the day. And, um, the next morning we would start over, but as years went on, as maybe after the first year, um, she started, um, writing me a note every night Mm -hmm. and she would have that note for me the next morning at the table. And she would, um, set out my cereal for breakfast and a cup for water. And she was very in tune to my schedule and my life and wanted to be a part of that and wanted to help. And, and it was, and she was a help to me. Um, I mean, who can't use help unloading the dishwasher every day? <laughs> yeah. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Did, did, was that your idea to pray with her every night or was that her idea? Yeah, no, it was, it was mine. And some friends kind of helped me, um, think through that, that how do we learn to pray? We learn by hearing other people pray. And so we just sat down together every night and prayed. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Do you feel like you can talk a little bit about losing Carrie? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just maybe to give up some backstory between then. So Carrie and I lived together for three and a half years and, um, she went to church with me on Sunday nights. My friends became her friends. Um, we just were always together. We went shopping, all kinds of stuff. We did our grocery shopping every Sunday to prepare for the week. Um, 
And then I moved away from Amarillo. I went to live in Baltimore to work for campus ministry for five years. And during those years, um, before I left, Carrie and I had agreed that we would um, pray for each other on Tuesdays. And mm-hmm. so um, every Tuesday, Carrie would call me. And she would, um, usually around dinner time, and sometimes she would not eat until she talked to me and we had prayed together. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would, sometimes she would leave me a message and say, Melinda, it's Carrie, it's Tuesday, I'm praying for you. And she never understood, of course, what, how I was working for a campus ministry in Baltimore. That wasn't um, something she had a category for, but she would always say, I'm praying for you and your church thing. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was, I mean, Tuesdays were our days to, to pray for each other. And it was such a special thing to me, those weeks that I would be, you know, have a hectic day. And then I'd get that message from Carrie or mm-hmm. see her name pop up on my phone. Um, and when I moved away, she moved into a little apartment that was owned by her parents and lived by herself. And they, her parents knew all the people that lived around her and, um, they checked on her once or twice a day. And she carried on with her routine of dishes and laundry and cooking and bean burritos, you know, yeah. the kind of stuff that we had done together. Yeah. Um, she was able to do on her own. She knew how to clean her house and wash her sheets and put them back on her bed. And um, I went home to visit at the holidays and she would invite me over to her house for dinner and she would always let me do the cooking <laughs> because that was our, our pattern when we lived together. Yeah. Um, and then I, I moved back permanently to Amarillo in 2012. And I thought I was starting to look for a house and thought, you know, I'll, I'll buy a house that would be suitable for Carrie and we'll be two single girls and we'll live together for a long time. It was, I just kind of thought that's how it would be. And, and then she got sick, um, and kind of got a little bit better. And, um, but then she got really sick again right before Thanksgiving and, um, and never got better. And she, three weeks later, she passed away. Um, but the timing that, that I could be there in Amarillo when that happened and spend those last um, three weeks of her life with her is something I will never forget. I, I, it was, it was you, Malin, who let me know that Carrie had passed away. And I knew in those last, those three weeks that, um, like how, how quickly she'd gone downhill and was kind of waiting on that. I can't remember if you called me or if it was a text, but um, man, I I won't forget the just the that moment when I heard from you and and standing in the kitchen and just the the flood yeah. of all of those memories and our childhood with her and um and I didn't even know yet that that. Yeah. God would be giving me ace. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for that story too, that you, that, that you got, you were home in time that you were there with her. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. And that I was a teacher and our, my school was so understanding. Um, and, uh, uh, just one quick story. Carrie was in hospice for 10 days and, 
it was the best 10 days ever because she was so comfortable and so loved. And, um, I think the first day she was in hospice, she must've had like 35 visitors or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, she had so many people and every person that would come, she would say, um, did you bring flowers? I like pink flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and if we could just all be as bold to just say exactly what we want. Say what we want uh, and what we need. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, but she, she knew how she wanted her room arranged at hospice. And this is where her personality um, that I said at the beginning, she was particular and knew what she wanted. And sometimes she was grumpy, but it served her well in life. And in hospice, she knew where she wanted the bed so that it would face the TV and where she wanted the chair for people to come and sit when they visited her. And her setup was awesome. Like what she wanted was perfect and comfortable. Mm. And, uh, those last, um, days are, I think, I can't remember if it was the night before she died or two nights before, but both of her parents, her sister and me, all um, spent the night in her room with her. And uh, it was just, I mean, one big family sleepover. Um, and it was, her sister and I were right there by her bed. And it was great. It was so hard. But looking back, mm. I'm so glad we did that. And um, when she died, um, her parents were on either side of her and I was a little bit further down and, um, you just, we were just right there with her and we played her favorite hymns and her favorite songs. And, um, just, I mean, people are in death as they are in life and she was mm -hmm. stubborn in death. And when we thought she had died, the nurses came in and um, Carrie took a breath <laughs> and scared everyone. <laughs> um, she did that twice. Um, but since then, um, it's hard for me to realize that she is gone. And um, one of the hardest things for me is that my husband um, never knew Carrie. But the sweetest part of our story to, to me is that we met because Carrie died. It was mm -hmm. as she was dying that her mom said to me, um, you know, my friend in Lubbock knows this nice young man that you should meet. <laughs> and, um, of course I said, no, I don't, that doesn't sound good to me. And, uh, cause I was in a hard, hard place losing Carrie. But six months later I agreed. And, um, here we are living yeah. in Lubbock, married. And, um, we met because, because Carrie died. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is sweet how the Lord works and yeah. I wish that he knew her and knew, but he has heard lots of stories and seen lots of pictures and, um, he'll meet, he'll meet her in heaven one day. Yeah. I was thinking about what, how much Carrie would love Poppy and your uh, little girl. Yes. Carrie would love Poppy. And, um, you know, Carrie had two other nieces and Carrie never was interested in little boys. So <laughs> it's a good thing that. There are no little boys because Carrie would have nothing to do with them. Um, but she would absolutely love Poppy. And the thing Carrie always wants out of a baby, especially a niece, is for them to say Aunt Carrie. When can they say Aunt Carrie? <laughs> Other nieces, um, that's when she—that's what she was always looking for. When can yeah. that baby say Aunt Carrie? Um, and, and our little girl, Poppy Allison, um, her middle name is the same as Carrie's. We named her after her aunt Carrie, which, um, we know would just be delightful to Carrie and that that's what yeah. she would call. She would, 
she wouldn't just call her Poppy Henry. She would call her Poppy <laughs> Yes, she would. Yeah. yeah. Um, this... This is lovely, Lauren. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would want to say about Carrie before we're done? No, no. I think you. Um, a delightfully stubborn person whom I miss dearly. Yeah, yeah. I hope you write that book, Malin. Yeah, I'm going to. You've inspired me, Micah, okay. in the book that you've written. <laughs> you do it. And then we'll have you back on The Lucky Few and we'll talk about your book. <laughs> okay, well, that might be <laughs> Okay. Thank well, you, Micah, for having me on. This has, Thanks for the memories. Uh, it's been really, really sweet. Thanks, Malin. Yeah. Uh, Micah and Malin. I wish Malin was here on the show yeah. live with us. Yeah. What a gym. I felt um, like that was such a gift to get to peek into your friendship with her and then her friendship with Carrie and to hear that. There was so much about the way that she described Carrie that reminded me of Mason, even though Mason's only nine. Um, I loved how she s- said that sometimes she's a little bit grumpy. Is that the word yes. she described? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I immediately <laughs> thought of my daughter. I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Same thing, right? Yes. Yeah, Mason is very kind and loving and also kind of grumpy <laughs> and set in her ways. Yes. So I was like, yeah. so that won't change. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah, good to know. And I'm okay with that. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a special interview to get to hear and to see the legacy that Carrie has left in this world. Um, it makes me feel really honored that I get to be a part of my kids with, who have Down syndrome part of their lives. I mean, all of our kids, but just to see the legacy that people with Down syndrome are leaving behind if we um, want to see it, right? It's there to right. be seen right. Right. to see it. And Sweet Malin saw it from the get-go. So mm. there's so many things I loved about this interview. Same. Yeah, you know what I what I was thinking about afterwards, and I've stayed in touch with with Carrie's parents, and they still live across the street from my parents. And after Ace was born, I started visiting every time I was in town, and I'd sit down with Carrie's mom, and she loves to see Ace growing up. And uh, but I thinking about the roles that our parents played in those relationships, and especially for Carrie's parents and Melin's parents. And how they encouraged that relationship. How if Carrie's parents hadn't just fought to have her in an inclusion environment and in general ed with the rest of us. And, you know, Carrie's mom is um, such a cool woman. She's no nonsense. And that was sort of how she went into this. She was like, well, this is the school down the street from us. And this is where she's going to go. And uh, why should she not be playing volleyball with the rest of the girls her grade? And why should she not be on the softball team? And I, I think that it's such a beautiful story of what, hap- what happens in the lives of the typical kids around somebody with Down syndrome. Mm. Yeah. It's, we, we grow and we change and we become our, our better selves. And that was the thing that was missing for me in listening to the interview is the background. I kept thinking, where were the moms? What were the moms doing? (laughs) And assuming these, everything you said, assuming that, 
but yeah. also wondering like I know that the moms played a huge role here definitely yeah right and I also sort of love that Malin didn't didn't seem to know that you know like everything mm-hmm. felt so natural that it, she never was like yeah I, I knew that my mom and Carrie's mom talked or they always got together so we got together right. um, so I, I would like to talk to both of those moms please <laughs> yeah okay we can arrange Did you guys that. hear that <laughs> we're working on it we're working on it Diane yeah, okay. Diane um, <laughs> okay I want to bring something up about the interview that just got me thinking and I want to hear your ladies opinions on it early on in the interview you say something to Malin Micah you say something to her about when did she notice that mm. Carrie was different yeah. Um, and this is such an interesting question for me. And I have thoughts here, if you can imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I love that she never noticed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like she couldn't pinpoint a time. Right. Um, and so, and I, I think that when people hear this question or ask this question and not, I'm not saying this about you, Micah, but that there's this idea of <laughs> <laughs> never, um, only good judgments here, but there's this idea of like, um, we, it will happen, right? Like we're going to notice that someone is different and that's a bad thing. The difference, right. like when was, when did that happen? <gasps> oh, that's when, I, that's when I noticed. I don't think that it's ever like, oh my gosh, when did you find out that they had Down syndrome? Like in a, wow, that's so amazing. I think it's mm-hmm. more like, when did that reality hit you? And then everything changes possibly. Mm-hmm. And just like, I want to get into a world where, um, whether people notice right away or not, that when they notice that my children have Down syndrome, it's such a great thing to figure out and to find out like, oh, whoa, I didn't know. I didn't even realize until I was um, five or six that my, that my best friend had Down syndrome. Whoa, I was so lucky for that. Rather than this idea of like, oh, yeah, I found out they had Down syndrome and it was still cool. We could still be friends. Do you see what I'm saying? Right, like that yep, difference yep. of attitude. What do you guys think mm-hmm. about that? I, I think there is a I, – I think that's interesting – the, I guess my my question is: Does it have to be negative to see someone as different? I think we do we because obviously our kids with Down syndrome are different than uh-huh. other kids, and I think yes, in our culture, being being different can be seen as negative. But I. You know, I've kind of gone into this with my kids, and I'm sure I've over-communicated. I'm probably the most over-communicating <laughs> mother in the world. But I think of it kind of like like talking about sex with your kids. Like, <laughs> Mercedes and I were talking about this this past weekend. Yes. I've kind of taken Good this. Good pictures, bad like, pictures. <laughs> she remembers. Oh, gosh. Um, the, <laughs> this idea that, like, as if you're if you're always talking about it like not that I'm you know what I'm saying if you with your kids early on if you're using like the appropriate words for their parts (laughs) this is going downhill but what I'm trying to say (laughs) is like when it's normal it doesn't it's not like you sit down one day and have this big talk with your mom and you're like oh my gosh it's an entire part of life that I didn't know Uh and instead it's slowly eased into and you're Uh comfortable talking to your parents right right Uh and that's kind of how I've gone about this with with talking about my kids talking to my kids about ACE is we just talk about Down syndrome. We talk about things that are wonderful about 
him because of Down syndrome, we talk about things that are hard. We keep the communication doors open. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what I'm saying about, um, and I think we're on the same page, Heather. Yeah, but like the, that, yeah, hopefully there isn't a moment when, when you go, whoa, this person's different than me. And that's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But, but acknowledging that kids are going to see the differences. And, mm-hmm. and so can we pave the way for them to see those differences as being beautiful? Yeah. And, and along those lines, later in the interview, um, Malin says, you say something to her about um, something about people loving her living Carrie, even though she was different. Like, so this idea between even though and Malin said, oh, no, because, because right. she's different. Right. So that's like what I'm, what I'm getting at is that um, there's the even though and it's the no, it's because this is why. Right. And I think that it is exposure and inclusion. I feel like we can go back to that on every conversation. Like 100%. we, Malin loved Carrie because she had Down syndrome, because she got to know her in a real true w- way because she was fully included in her life, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how do we get like society as a whole and p- individuals, can we assume and, and expect people to love people, not even though, but because right. of Down Correct. syndrome? Right. Or is that just a certain people that are going to be that way? And we just have to accept and just like pray our kids find those people. Well, I think it does. I think so it's much both. Of, yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I think it's exposure. Mm-hmm. I think our work to bring, to bring inclusion to the children who are going to be growing up with our kids. Right. Like I, that's, yeah, go ahead, Mercedes. I was going to say, Heather, I think it's both. And I think because of inclusion, the p- kids will see like, hey, I actually, I have, I don't know why, but I'm tugging towards Sunflower. I'm tugging towards Augie. I'm tugging towards Ace but they wouldn't have known that part of them Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. being exposed to them. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily, even with exposure, think everybody has um, that special gift or something that people like Malin or Lindsay have. You know what I mean? Like there's that, there is that personality or that part in someone's heart that makes them go a step further. And I do think about that all the time that I pray that someone like that comes alongside Sunflower or even like each year as she's going through school, I pray that for her teacher or for Mm -hmm. her aide or especially for a friend. But um, I think that's going to have to kind of always be a part of our jobs is to pray for those special connections. Cause I do think it's certain people have that extra, like our kids have that extra chromosome. They have that extra love. Yeah, that need that yeah the need for the extra chromosome. Like they, they have get that it. need for the extra chromosome. <laughs> the magnet. The extra Put that chromosome on their magnet. T-shirt right now. I have a need yeah, for that extra need chromosome. For an extra <laughs> chromosome. <laughs> All of a sudden, again, <laughs> just started sounding weird. Put it on a T-shirt. Weird. I don't know. And then along these lines and speaking of t-shirts okay we're recording at night so maybe that's why we're weird i'm gonna bring this up and i feel like people are gonna be mad at me because i've kept this to myself for a very long time yes so here's to all the world i have a little bit of a problem and this is can i please say this 
for those of you who use this phrase, all the grace, no judgment. I just have a little problem (laughs) with the term more alike than different. Oh, um, which is very popular in the Down syndrome community. I was going to say bold, yeah. Heather. Oh, I know you guys, and I'm I'm not saying don't use <laughs> you it. Get your house egg. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm not judging people who do. That uh, I get it. I get where it's coming from, but I also want to just throw out there to think about is that is that my goal? And I've and I've talked about this in other places, but is my goal for my kids with Down syndrome to be more alike than different? Or do I want people, do I want society as a whole to be like, oh, no, they're different, and that's awesome. So like a teacher that's like, I'm different, that's awesome. Or so, I don't know, that's not going to be the T-shirt. <laughs> we have so many T-shirts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but do you think I'm being too uptight here, you guys? Or can you see, like, I, no, I think thinking about it? Um, first, what do you think? I don't know. I was just going to say, it just goes along with how even in different individuals we are, because I don't like usually when people say downs sure you yeah. know i'm like oh i prefer you say down syndrome or mm-hmm. i don't know down syndrome <laughs> but um <laughs> more like than different you get where they're coming from i guess That's if you totally. get nitpick not nitpicky i'm not saying you're nitpicky <laughs> but i you guess say that no i'm just saying that if you really pick it apart you're kind of like no I kind of love that she's different. We always want that too. You know, everybody's like in a pink t- tutu, you know, those posters. They're all the girls are in a pink tutu. And they're that one girl that's sticking out like the swan. She's in a black yeah. tutu. So we celebrate differences as far as like be the unique you, you know? So mm-hmm. I can, that's where I can see where you're coming from, Heather, where it's like, no, we should say that also about our children with Down syndrome. Yeah, um, but, and I've, and I've yeah. done like those lesson the lessons i'm using air quotes in the classroom we've talked about um where like you go before the class and explain what down syndrome is and it's like the whole idea is you have all these commonalities and that friendships are built on common ground like i get all of that so then you want people to see how they're alike right um and i appreciate that but i think it's just the the rebel in me a little bit that's like no Mm -hmm. we are going to be different right because we're different so i don't want to be more alike anyway i love you all and it's also you're I like that you're coming because you're keeping the same thing like the that difference if you take different as a negative right right right. then more like than different is saying like look we know there's a negative here but look at all these good things right that's and that's where you're coming from Heather right that's what I hear you saying right and I think too like there's reason to feel that way. And I even like, I like that you called me out on saying that because <laughs> no, it's, it's true because, you know, probably if I was sitting down to write that, write those things out and I wasn't just speaking off the cuff, I would have caught it and I would have gone, mm-hmm. I would have changed that. Right. But that is in me because I am from like, I came from a society that feels that way right and I'm still learning and I'm still growing I'm learning how to be Ace's mom and um and I think we should be calling each other out on that yeah that's good we all we all have a long way to go for sure and I yeah I feel now like I can't stress enough if you have a more like than different hashtag and shirts and all of the things do it Please keep doing it. Go right now online and buy a shirt that says more like. <laughs> you do you. 
feeling like a B word up in here. No, okay. I love it. It's okay. We don't have <laughs> to all should, like, agree to be the same kind of advocates with these phrases. You know what I mean? Yeah. To each their own. Each their own. And like going back to what you said, Mercedes, like the poster with all the girls in the tutu, right. and they're all pink, and then the one girl has the bright colored. I feel like, yes, that's okay. Unless you have Down syndrome, then you get that pink tutu on. Like, I feel like that's what we're saying about our yes. kids with Down syndrome. You put that on, you act more like everybody else because we need mm. you to be accepted. No, you're going to accept my kids for who they are because they have Down syndrome. Not in spite of it. Right. I think that's that's yeah. where my yeah. heart is in all this, ladies. I like it. Friendship, friendship forever. Um, do we want to keep talking about friendship? Because there's so much to say. And I think we could have a two-hour episode. Part two of two hours. Oh, no. <laughs> Just keep going. Keep on going. Okay. There was a friendship song, was it there? Uh, yes, we, we performed and we forgot. had a harmony. We're going to have to wait for the friendship song. That's because at the very end. What do you guys think about your friends, your kids having friends who have Down syndrome or other different abilities versus typical peers? And does this change as they age? Should it matter? Um, I, I discuss amongst yourselves. <laughs> they got to have both. Okay. In my opinion, I'm going to seek for Sunflower to have both. Just in the state right now we're, that we're in right now, I'm just like looking for a friend for her, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's only four, so she's got friends and she's got natural connections, um, but she's also just plays alongside certain kids really well and alongside certain kids not that well. So so I feel like I'm still waiting for that shift to happen to where it's a, a real friendship, where she's kind of wanting me to seek that person out more or ask about her friend and vice versa. You know, I feel like there's going to be a switch. So um, I just keep wondering if that's going to happen with another kiddo with Down syndrome first or with a child, a typically able, I don't know how to even say it, person first. Or, Neurotypical. Yeah. And, <laughs> I don't know. So I don't, I don't know. Or I, I just don't know. So I keep trying to like just make sure she has a whole variety host of friends <laughs> and see who she chooses. Yeah. <laughs> so right Which now I good. feel like it's super beginning stages, but I desire my desires for her to have both just a well-rounded life of both. Yeah. yeah. Mason's a part of a reading group and it's four kids who have down syndrome. We go every Wednesday and when we show up, there's kids. She's probably one of the younger ones. Then they up through adult, and there's about I don't know three, six, nine, ten of us. And the parents do a thing while the kids have their tutoring. They each have a private tutor. But when we all show up, waiting for the tutors to show up, they're all just like giddy to be around each other, and <laughs> no one really talks to each other. They like run up and say hi, and then we're the parents are all talking, and they're just like kind of standing, like smiling and like <laughs> trying to like think of a conversation. And we were joking that they that they think they're having the best, well, they are having the best time together, but they're like in their minds, they're like, yes, party with my friends, but they're all just kind of looking at each other. Oh, that's um, the best. And, and, then we were, and then we were saying how there, one of the moms was saying how when she comes to that particular group, she sees her son kind of like exhale a little bit in his own way mm. of he does, he just gets to kind of be himself and recognizes that people around him are a lot like him. 
and there there doesn't have to be a lot of spoken. They just kind of all get each other. And just how we, with inclusion, we're like putting ourselves and our kids in a place where there aren't as many people with different abilities right. um, or, or specifically Down syndrome. And is that a disservice to our kids? And then in that conversation, the adult, mm. the parents of adults started speaking up and just said, as their kids got older and became adults, they found that their children's most meaningful friendships were with people who had Down syndrome or other intellectual disabilities. And that and that's okay, you know, but it's like, when did that, when did they cross that line? Is that always going to be the case? I don't know. Makes it my nine. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Malin even talked about in the interview that in middle school, things started, started to change. And part of that was Carrie being in different classes than her. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I think there's kind of that, the general change just of middle school that they went through mm. a time of of it being different for a while yeah and then puberty. i loved hearing about melin picking middle her up school and high yeah school. i know puberty yeah. just messes everything up. <laughs> yeah middle school is the pit oh so man <laughs> yeah we, i do have, have you know what i need to put that on a find shirt. this picture for us to put on the show notes of me and melin and carrie at one of our middle school dances though because yes. we're all dressed up, sitting on some bales of hay. Okay. So I'll make I sure I get wait. that. Make sure I get that I know. too. Yeah. I definitely don't want my kids to go. I think they should skip middle school, but I don't want to be in charge of them during those years either. Yeah. So I don't know who's going to do it. So we'll figure that one out later. <laughs> like, let's make a, like, a commune boarding school for in all Italy. of our kids to go to. In Italy. In Italy. <laughs> but in Israel. <laughs> okay, we'll keep working on this. Okay, next episode. Episode 20, <laughs> Israel Kibbutz. Okay, um, I, that's what I've got for friendship. Like I said, I could go on and on, but this is, it's time, I think. Y'all, time. wrap it up. Time to wrap it yep. up. Um, yep, which also what, means. What does this mean for us? It's time for good news, good news, good, good, good in the house. Oh my gosh. You guys can't see us, obviously, but Mercedes had a, a look on her face while Mike was singing that I don't know how she was feeling, but it was. It I was didn't know what sound effect part. I was going to contribute. She was <laughs> to so hard. I was, I was like, it's almost over. Darn, I missed it. <laughs> oh my gosh, so good. Today, this is a piece of good news. So August is basically potty trained, but I don't talk about it. But he, except that he doesn't tell us he has to go. And then today, granted he was outside and there was a potty chair out there, but he walked over, pulled his little undies down, sat his little tush down and went potty without us having to encourage him to do it. So, holla. Good work, Aggie. I, um, I found Ace halfway up the ladder <laughs> to, the, to the bunk bed. And I was very excited and proud and so then i walked over and coached him the rest of the way up yes. and he made it so good news awesome. ace is climbing uh, ladders now that's i huge. remember the first time Mason uh, 
and Augie climbed the ladder. So fun. It's a big deal. Um, Mercedes, you're up, girl. Yep. Okay, so my good news comes in via text message from a Lucky Few listener. Lucky Few podcast listener. Um, And she told us a couple of them. Um, Her name is Addie. This is her daughter, um, which is the Hebrew word meaning jewel or ornament. She is our first, fourth, definitely the bling of our family. Cute. Get it, girl. And she just came home on day 66 of being in the NICU. So she's home now. After 66 Uh, days. Very good news. Welcome home. Addie, girl. girl. I love her. Thank you for sharing that. That is good news. Bling of the family. (laughs) Oh, friends. We could talk about friendship. Uh, It's the very best ship. (laughs) And (laughs) she did not. (laughs) You guys. (laughs) I love... I love getting to have this conversation with you as always every week. And now it's time for us to say goodbye. Um, and so as we, as we move out, Heather and I will now perform Friends to Friends Forever <laughs> by Michael W. Smith with the motions. <laughs> but no one needs to know that. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, friends, where do we start? Friends forever. If the Lord's the Lord of them, Ooh, and a friend cannot say never, though the welcome will not end, and it's hard to let you go, and the Father's hands we know, but a lifetime's not too long. Live as friends. Oh, that was rough. Again, I didn't know how to come in on (laughs) that song. I mean, everyone, everyone listening was like, this is okay. So a special thank you, as always, to our fearless editor and producer, Andy Lara. Uh, We could do nothing without him. That is the truth. Don't forget, friends, to leave us a review on iTunes, please. And follow us on all of our social medias at the at the lucky few pod. You see that you got it. And as always, call and leave your good news with us through our voicemail or text at 424-442-9147. Thanks for listening, friends. See what I did there? Yeah. All right, guys. Very best ship. Catch you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcast. Review our show on iTunes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. Subscribe on our website for ongoing updates at theluckyfewpodcast.com. Tell us about your good news by leaving us a voicemail or text at 424-442-9147. Our show is edited and produced by Andy Lara at andylikeswords.com. See you next time.